Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest vodcast. And this will be on CTN Geography, how we do it and why. And this is a talk I gave up, uh, I gave this past weekend in Canada. And so I thought I would share with you some of this stuff is a rehash of things we've discussed before, but I think it's really a good look at some of the things we're doing and particularly focusing on some of the applications. Now, we spoke about, and we have spoken about, the advantages of CT Beyond 64 Slice being spatial resolution, temporal resolution, and isotropic data sets with the spatial resolution under 0.4 millimeters and temporal resolution now with dual source scanning under 100, millis 100 milliseconds. And the fact we have isotropic data sets allowing us to create these three-dimensional maps with a high degree of accuracy. Now, when we speak about applications of CTA in the abdomen, and I speak about protocols, I always mention that we give water as a contrast agent. A, it distends the stomach and small bowel. B, it hydrates the patient, and so you decrease the chance of uh, contrast-induced nephropathy. And then depending on the application, we'll use anywhere between 80 and 100 cc's of contrast. 120 cc's of contrast will be our max. And depending on the patient's uh, situation, we'll either use Omni 350 or Visipec 320. We try to inject at 5 cc's a second. We'll go to 4, and if we have to, we'll go to 3. In terms of protocols, depending on the application, our protocol will vary. Some things you need a single acquisition for, and some things you need dual-phase acquisition. Routinely, we do not do non-contrast scans, and we do not do delayed-phase imaging, but that's routinely. In some applications, you need to do early and non-contrast and delayed. But again, in this era of radiation dose sensitivity, we try to minimize the dose to our patients and do every phase we need but not to do any phase that we don't need. When you do CTA, you can do fixed delay, and in many populations, particularly younger patients, a fixed delay of around 30 seconds arterial and 60 seconds venous works. But in reality, when you want to get down to what works on every patient, you want to customize the injection for the patient, and that's where bolus triggering works so nicely. Now, when you do bolus triggering, an important thing to think about is the scanner you have. If you scan the abdomen on a 64 slice versus a dual source, one takes 20 times longer than the other. 20, 10 seconds versus 0.5 seconds when you do a high-pitched study. So in that regard, when you trigger, your triggering needs to be different. So with the faster the scanner, the higher the trigger point in order to optimize the quality of the study. Now, triggering works very nicely here with triggering an abdominal aorta. And you can see we pick a trigger point about 270 in this patient. You can pick 250. This yellow line shows about 240. But depending on the application, the IV axis, the speed of injection, we'll pick a trigger point. And you can see with the right trigger point, you get incredibly good opacification. Here it's in the 500 range. But as important as a specific number is the quality of the reconstructions, whether it's MIPA volume rendering, high-quality SMA and celiac axis. So very, very nicely shown in this case. Now, the other thing we speak about in terms of CT angiography will be post-processing. Again, going beyond the axial plane through MPR, curve planar reconstruction as necessary, and MIP and volume rendering. And I always show the same case because it really shows it best. What, means, what it means to go from axial in this patient with Crohn's 
to coronal, where we see the extent of the small bowel disease, to accentuating the vascular process when I look at the MIP imaging, to accentuating both the bowel and the vascular process when I look at the volume rendering. We look at all of them, but think about this very last image only. Think how much more information there is on that one image than there is on the 800 or 1,000 images done to actually create this image. So much of what we do is an understanding of the data set, and in the volume, we often understand things better. Or in this case, you really appreciate the cystic changes in the pancreatic head in the serous cyst adenoma, that there is some common duct dilatation, but this is a straightforward serous cyst adenoma, kind of stellate type appearance. Very nice example. Now, when you look at the oncologic uh, type CTA. It's one of the things we do a lot of at Hopkins. It's for detection of disease. It's for staging of disease. It's for management of disease. It's for response. And so if I look at several of the areas from pancreas to liver to small bowel to stomach, each of them has certain challenges and each has certain advantages. If we start with pancreas, one of the things that we notice is that Articles like this one by Isikawa have shown very clearly that even just getting coronals and sagittals improves your performance of CT, and we've shown that in great detail in some of our articles as well. And as you go from the multiplanar into the 3D, you do even better. It's so much now forcing change. So, for example, in this assessment of borderline and resectable pancreatic cancer, it talks about some of the changes that have been made of what is or isn't resectable. It's like these borderline things were all unresectable previously. And then we see articles that make the point that because of advances in imaging techniques as well as surgical techniques, you're able to have this subgroup of patients with borderline resectability. Chemotherapy, radiation therapy precedes surgery. Then the patients um, have been doing relatively well. Now, we talk also about, uh, when you're doing CT angiography, the importance of impact. As part of our multidisciplinary conference at Hopkins, we get dual-phase CT angiography. And you could see that in 18% of patients, we had a clinical change in their stage of disease so much that... Um, it was a major reason for change. There were other reasons pathology was one, but you can see 23.6% overall, of which 18.7 was generated by the CT scanning. We talk about how we look at a CT scan for looking at pancreatic masses from size to enhancement changes to duct obstruction and transition and mass effect. And you quickly see in this case with 3D rendering, the dilated common duct, tumor infiltrating duodenum, the patent portal vein, and here very nicely you see the patient's tumor. This patient would be resectable. There's no critical vascular structures involved. Unfortunately, you do notice the metastasis in the left lobe of the liver, making this patient unresectable. You can see very nicely here the patient's tumor. You can see the portal vein relationship, the duodenal relationship. In this image, you can see the pancreatic duct down to a tumor over two centimeters in the pancreatic head, consistent with carcinoma. Now we create all sorts of maps because mapping is critical both for anatomic variation as well as for surgical planning. Vessel encasement is one of the reasons why patients don't go to surgery. 
So things we try to do define the anatomic location of the vessel, determine patency or involvement, looking for collaterals. We can see like this case where the patient has a common trunk, which becomes so important. And in this case, we also see there is dilatation of the, uh, the uh, SMA origin. We show on the sagittal views the infiltration of pancreatic cancer around the SMA. Or we show this example where the celiac is encased by tumor. Now, you're not surprised when you have a large tumor and there's lots of encasement. At times you are surprised when you don't have that large a tumor, and yet, as you can see in this case, there's significant encasement. Prior study, celiac, here we see focus on SMA and celiac. Or this case where the patient has a mass in the head of the pancreas, the patient's GDA is encased. Now, that's not too important. GDA is going to be sacrificed in surgery. You can see the hypodense mass, the transition of dilated common duct and pancreatic duct, all nicely defined. And then as you MIP it on the volume rendering, you see the occlusion at the trifurcation of portal vein, splenic vein, uh, and SMV. Very nicely shown. This patient would not be resectable, but you get a feel of what you're looking at. And whether it's the venous side or the arterial side, celiac, SMA, stent in place, you really get a feel of the type of vessels you're looking at. You get a feel of the vascular involvement. So in this case, the patient was unresectable because the patient's um, portal vein SMV confluence was encased. Now, if I look beyond the pancreas to liver, things we look at in terms of CTA being helpful, lesion detection for smaller lesions, lesion analysis based on enhancement pattern, and lesion recognition. Now, it's not always tumors. Here's a nice case of cirrhosis, wet bowel pattern, edemas changes in bowel, multiple collateral vessels. And look at the increased flow into the patient's mesentery. So again, a very, very impressive example in that regard. Or this case, look at the collaterals in the porta hepatis. This is this thrombus in the portal vein. This is classic cavernous transformation of the portal vein uh, with uh, thrombus not occlusive in nature. And you can see the same thing from some of the other views uh, in place, very nicely showing you the patient's uh, portal vein. So again, something of great importance, and here's a collateralization best seen on the MIP imaging. We speak about malignancies. Number one on the list is hepatoma. We speak about multiphase acquisition, but recognize that arterial phase is the key and often the only phase necessary. We look at a case like this, which shows a vascular mass in the right lobe of the liver and recognize the extreme neovascularity shown here that that lesion does have. And I've showed you cases before where all you see is the neovascularity, but you don't see a mass. So just a very nice example of neovascularity. And I'm going to rotate that around. Very nicely shown there. We speak about small bowel. We talk about lesion detection and characterization and tumor staging. So we can look at this case, for example. Look how closely the arcade of the mesentery matches it in the normal patient or the patient with dilated bowel, and look how nicely it matches the schematic line drawing. So you can see how well the quality of what we do indeed is. It's basically almost picture perfect. Now in terms of looking at small bowel, we tend to like neutral contrast material. Usually we use water, though we do use volumen in select situations. We also use Omnipake when called for. We use between 100 and 120 of uh, 
cc's of contrast, injected at four to five cc's a second. Typically, we favor Omnipake, but we will use Visipake as necessary based on the clinical scenario. I also mentioned that we use volumin. Volumin is a, is a uh, agent that distends the bowel. So for CT enterocolitis, many people swear by it. There are different protocols. We use the three 10-minute protocol, 450 ml volumin at 0 to 10, 10 to 20, and 20 to 30 minutes. And you can see it really does show well, things well, particularly in the duodenum. Before this was felt to simply be some undistended uh, bowel, maybe some prominent folds in the duodenum. But look how carefully, when you look at the images, you really can see the extent of the patient's duodenal tumor. And you can see another example. Here's another carcinoid tumor, two centimeter mass, second portion of duodenum. Beautiful example. Um, again, very nicely shown the 3D mapping. It also accentuates the enhancement, which is a critical finding in carcinoid tumor. And again, here it is on the MIP, and there it is again. Uh, in general, you know, surgeons love coronal views. Forget 3D, forget NPR, forget sagittals and axials. Coronals is what they love, and they find it helpful for management. And in more than three quarters of cases, they felt that uh, it was more important than the axial images. It's about 5% of GI tract tumors with a variable clinical presentation. Now, Let's look at what other things we can look at, and let's look at small bowel, but before we do, let's just take a 10-minute break, and we'll be right back.